welcome to Top of Mind, the show where we talk to real estate industry insiders and experts about the biggest trends impacting the market today. Enjoy the show. Mike Simonson here. Thanks for joining me today. Welcome to the Top of Mind podcast. This is where I talk to the smartest leaders, thinkers, and doers in the real estate industry. For a couple of years now, we've been sharing the latest market data, the Altos Research market data in our weekly video series. With the new Top of Mind podcast, we're looking to add some context to that discussion, some, some context to the data, going beyond the data and talking to the leaders in the industry about what's happening in the market and the, and the broader dynamics that are beyond the data. So each week, Altos tracks every home for sale in the country all the pricing, all the supply and demand. And we do all of those analytics and all the changes in that data and we make it available to you before you see it in the traditional channels. Visit altosresearch.com for free consultation on how you can use some market data in your business today. So without further ado, let me introduce my guest today. Greg Saxton is the Chief Operating Officer of Century 21. Greg leads Century 21's domestic and international operations, including industry-leading tech platform, tools, learning and data-driven products, which I'm particularly interested in talking about today, and that the Century 21 team leverages to better serve their customers and clients. I'm, of course, a huge fan of using data to better serve your clients, especially in this market. Century 21 is really one of the, the iconic residential real estate brands of the last 150 years, or last 50 years, with 155,000 agents around the world. So Greg, welcome. Thanks for joining me today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity to spend time with you today, Mike. That's great. So I think most people in the industry, frankly, most adults in the US have probably heard of Century 21, but for those who need a refresher or like, you know, it's a dynamic industry. Tell us about Century 21. Tell what's going on right now and, and tell us about the brand and your role in it. Absolutely. I appreciate that. Well, this is kind of a, a unique time for me to talk about Century 21 because just this past year, 2021, we celebrated 50 years in the industry as a franchise a real estate company. And, uh, you know, back then we kind of introduced franchising in the real estate uh world, if you will, in business. And currently we're in 86 countries and have approximately 155,000 agents carrying that Century 21 uh, business card. And so we're a very global company, if you will. And one of the things that we might talk a little bit uh, further, Mike, about is we, we believe that real estate is global. So we love the fact that we are in that many countries because of the global aspect of the business we do. You know, I think one of the things that from a Century 21 perspective, we spend millions and millions of dollars a year, making sure that our brand is out there. And for 23 years straight now, we have the highest brand awareness in the recent survey. So that's, that's something that we're very, very proud of for our agents, for our brand as we move forward, especially into an industry that is very brand focused. So that's yeah. a little bit about Century 21. That's great. Uh, I want to, looking forward to talking about branding. You guys have done a lot of investment in branding. So a lot of things. So I'm interested in talking about that and also how that applies at the agent level. But first, give me a little bit about you and how you ended up in this role running, you know, the iconic Century 21. Sure. My background goes back to actually franchising and, and the real estate sales perspective. So when I first started, you go back 24 years, uh, 
with which was then our parent company, Sendan, I actually started as a franchise sales representative for the state of Tennessee. That was purely my job. And I've spent most of my career actually in the franchise sales side of the business and then moving over into the operations about halfway through that, that experience. So it's all been wrapped around Century 21 for those 24 years, doing a lot of mergers and acquisitions on the franchise sales side of it. And then also now in the operations side, spending a lot of time, as you said, working with our technology groups, uh, we're still working with our franchise sales team as we continue to grow the business there, but spending the majority of my time now really working with our franchisees on how to grow their business. That's, that's our flag on the hill, if you will, Mike, is how do we grow market share, both for the Citra 41 iconic brand, but also for all of our franchisees by driving business to our agents. That's great. The, so let's talk about the brand now. So the brand Century 21 is funny because I'm a Gen Xer. And Century 21, you know, through my, my whole life, is maybe the brand that I would have. I grew up in the Midwest. I don't know if that, if that had market share, you know, meaning in, in the 80s or whatever. But, but, but it's, you know, it's, it may be the, the uh, brand that I most throughout my life associate with. And, and I know you guys have invested a lot, not just in the, like the, the whole brand. I see in your background, you've got some brand elements, which uh, like, I'd love you to tell me. So tell me about, tell me about like you're thinking about the brand and, and what you think about brand in general and, and your strategy for the Century 21 brand. Absolutely. And, you know, you might've thought that I'd be kind of uh, sitting here in a gold jacket because that truly is iconic. Now, the majority of our agents domestically in the U.S. certainly don't wear the gold jacket anymore. But if you think back to when you were talking about when you were a kid, when I was a kid, that gold jacket said real estate. And now across the world, it says real estate. In fact, when we travel internationally to spend time with our master franchises there, they all are wearing that gold jacket proudly. It is a big part of their brand in that marketplace. And so that's kind of where we started the iconic brand with Century 21. And as we've moved forward, we've done a lot of marketing. I don't know if you remember, but call it about four or five years ago, we actually did Super Bowl commercial, really getting out there and making sure that our iconic brand stays out there and is very relevant with our agents and frankly, the consumers out there. So we do spend a lot of time and money uh, making sure that we keep that brand out there. In fact, just in branding in general, Mike, my personal opinion about branding, especially when it comes to real estate is it's essential. One of the opportunities that I have is to spend time with those companies that we are talking to about being coming in the, in the Century 21 family, if you will. And as we go through that journey with them where they're taking a look at all of our systems, tools, our branding, our marketing, I always say to them, I'm not sure exactly where this journey is gonna end for either one of them, either one of us, if this makes sense for you to be part of Century 21 and part of your business plan. But this is what I would tell you, brand with someone. I believe branding is that important. And a lot of it is because of the sheer cost of technology alone. We spend millions of dollars a year within Century 21 and Realogy, our parent company, to drive the most compelling state-of-the-art technology to our franchisees, to our agents. It's very, very difficult for somebody as an independent real estate company, an independent agent, to actually go out and purchase that technology and then make sure that it stays relevant and up to date. And so I always tell people that's why branding is important. Brand with someone. I always hope it's Century 21. I think we have the best brand in the world, but brand with someone. That's great. I can picture uh, 
our friend Bill Lublin, who runs a big Century 21 Absolutely. brokerage in Philly. I can picture Bill wearing the wearing the gold jacket, right? You know what? I think I've seen Bill in a gold jacket before. He looks pretty good, but I he guess. looks pretty good. Um, so that's great. So so tell me about the Super Bowl commercial. Yeah, you guys, I, you were in the process, I, if I recall correctly, about sort of relaunching the brand with new identity and things. And and so how did you go? All right, Super Bowl commercial is our move. Hey, you know what? There's a great story behind that, Mike, because we were in the in the process. Uh, we had a new leader come on, be the president, Rick Davidson. He asked me to come over uh, from another part of the Real G family and be, work the operations. And one of the first things we did is we felt like we needed to get out there and listen to our franchisees to understand where did they feel like we needed to help them, to help them grow. And we had always been a brand that was very, very heavy in TV. And we had shifted over and we're doing a lot more digital, if you will, from a marketing perspective. And so we heard loud and clear as we went out there with our franchisees, hey, we need to be back on TV, need to be on TV. And we just heard that all over. So we came back in our, our boardroom and we were kind of just comparing notes about our travels out there and what we were hearing. And all of us said, well, I'm hearing so much about what really wanting us back on TV is, how important that is. And somebody in the room, and I can't exactly remember who it was. We had our marketing folks in there too. Somebody said, I'll tell you what, we'll do a Super Bowl commercial. That'll get us back on TV. Everybody kind of chuckled and laughed and everything. And then we all looked at each other and said, that's what the most powerful brand in real estate needs to do. And so we literally launched from that, from that boardroom. We started putting together a Super Bowl commercial. We launched it. It was our tagline that we had just come out with was smarter, bolder, faster. And so we ended up having some celebrities in our commercial that represented the smarter, the bolder, and the faster. And that was what our commercial was all wrapped around for the Super Bowl. What a phenomenal experience being a Super Bowl commercial because there's just so much that goes behind an actual commercial. And you would think, well, hey, I usually just... Uh, delete right through the commercials and fast forward, not the Super Bowl. That's one place where we're all as Americans kind of focused on, hey, what's the next commercial? So whole lot that goes into it. That's cool. I, I love that it was uh, bottom up driven, driven from like the actual need as opposed to some sort of ego driven top down things. That's really exciting. So so are you saying you're not going to go do a Super Bowl commercial that's just a QR code floating around the screen? That's not a, uh, that's not on the map right now. Let's okay. <laughs> just, but, just check it. But I will tell you this, it is amazing, amazing how much runway you get from that before the Super Bowl, then obviously during, but even after, there's a lot of chatter out there. And from a guy who's not a marketing guy, I just think that it's great if you can get that much traction and chatter off of a commercial. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for you're, you have, as a, as a straight your sales background like you just hope that someone hands that to you exactly right? that's yeah. awesome that's that's great super fun do you remember how much you guys spent on it and can you tell i mean i don't remember and probably wouldn't wouldn't talk about that wouldn't tell you if, wouldn't tell me if you do okay fair yeah. enough so all right so so 186 countries one of the things that i'm interested in in this year is let's maybe shift to the market you know we at altos we measure the market and, and we help agents communicate about the market. And, and, you know, it's in this point right now, end of February, 2022, the market's nuts. The market's nuts. And, and there are all kinds of headwinds, like risks 
I mean, yeah. the day we're recording this, you know, all of a sudden there's a war going on and right. there's, you know, inflation and interest rates. So tell me about your outlook on the market. Sure. And it just like, what do you see? And, and as at the, at the brand level, what, what, what visibility do you have? Tell me about your outlook right now. Yeah. You know, it, it, you, you made some great points there, Mike, because there are, there are headwinds, but what has been amazing since actually the pandemic started, how real estate has continued to do really well through all these different headwinds. And I think it's really highlighted how important the home is and the home buying process and how important it is for families. And I'll tell you, from a personal perspective, I we, we like what we see in front of us. There's just a lot of still excitement out there and energy about the home buying process. And what we're seeing, Mike, is a lot of... Uh, people entering the home buying experience that might not have necessarily been there before. And a lot of that was caused by the pandemic. And, you know, I, I'll tell you one of the areas so where- First time home buyers is what you mean? For, for not just first time home buyers, but millennials. Uh -huh. you know, one of the things that has been really compelling is some of the changes that have occurred with the millennials coming into the buying market. Because a lot of times in the past, we've talked about millennials and I happen to have two of them uh, in my family. And uh, they are very, very smart, and they like to tell dad that they got this. They know they're very smart. They know what to do. Well, what's interesting is they really realize now that how important real estate is for their futures. And in fact, the millennials use a realtor as as much or more than any other cohort out there. That just shows how important real estate is. How important a real estate agent is. You know, one of the things about millennials is. You know, in the past, they were kind of on the sidelines when it came to, to buying. They were, they were open to renting. They liked to live in the major cities. Well, I'll tell you, we're seeing millennials really storming into the market. And this is a, a very large share group of home buyers, of, you know, somewhere in the neighborhood of 35% plus. So that is a real trend that I think happened a lot because of, of the COVID pandemic that kind of changed everything. I do think, Mike, that some things that have happened that have driven the housing market during the pandemic, you know, might level off some, but there's going to be some of these things that we never expected would be something that we'd be talking about two years and probably even five years and beyond because of the pandemic. And, yeah. you know, I'll, I'll tell you one of the things that we've really seen that I think continues to drive the market is the work from home. That really did change a lot of things where a lot of companies had to, we didn't have a choice. We, we shifted to people working from their homes. I think companies found out, wow, we're not seeing productivity go down at all. In fact, I will tell you personally, we didn't see that a decline in productivity. In fact, our employees stepped up and really delivered during this time. This made a great opportunity for the real estate market, for the real estate agent to start working with their clients about, hey, you might need to change what your, your home situation looks like now, because now the family is going to be right there in the home. It became the office, the home, uh, the place for dinner, the place for work, lunch. Everything was right there. Another phenomenon, Mike, was homeschooling. That's something that we do think is going to live on past getting out of this and navigating through the pandemic. We think there's going to be more homeschooling. Again, creates a real estate opportunity. Yeah, let me ask you a couple of questions there. So you said sure. a couple of things that are really cool. Um, you mentioned that 
that millennials use realtors more than previous generations. Yeah. Tell me about that. Well, not necessarily more than previous generations, but they absolutely utilize realtors when you would, as I mentioned, I have, I have two millennials and they are very independent thinkers and a lot of things they do on their own, except for when it comes to making the most important purchase financially for their future, for, for their families, they do rely on a realtor. And what that tells us in, in all the different research and things we do is that they realize that this is such an important decision that they need somebody to help them understand what that investment looks like, understand the things that they need to be weary of. And so they do seek out a professional. That is not something that, at least for myself, that I ever thought would be the case with this group of individuals. Generation. Yeah. So the common, the conventional wisdom is that the millennials are going to use their apps and they're going to go want to do clicks. And, but do you, so do you think it's maybe that millennials are, they are, they have, they're used to having greater access to experts. And so they are more uh, comfortable reaching out to a realtor as an expert. Like they, is that, is there maybe something like that where, where, you know, we assumed it was going to be about clicking a button, but all of a sudden they're in a world where they have expert access all the time and they have YouTube. You can learn anything in the world on YouTube. You know, it's like, okay, let me reach out and it's okay to have a relationship with an expert. Do you think, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think that that's part of it, Mike, but I, but I actually think it's more about the fact that that they are independent thinkers. And, and, I, and I know through all their apps and the technology, they're out there searching for homes, certainly on their own. But when it really comes down to signing the paper on a big, big purchase like this, that even they kind of take a step back and say, I want an expert. I want a local market expert. I want a subject matter expert that knows about this marketplace and, and can show me the different uh, things that I need to be on the lookout for that I might not be able to get by just clicking an app and reading something. I want that interaction, that relationship with somebody that can guide me through this such this so important part of my life. I think it's more about that. Yeah. Okay. That's uh, that's great. You mentioned uh, you know the work from home and the school from home phenomenon. Mm -hmm. Have yeah. you noticed anything different? for your agents or for your sales process or market share? Have you noticed that those trends changing the way you work or that your agents work? Without a shadow of a doubt. Um, one of the things that we've seen right from the uh, beginning of the pandemic, if you will, is a need for us to really get out there and pivot, if you will, in our training. So we set up a lot of training, very fast online training to help our agents adjust to this changing environment. And a lot of that meant, you know, training on how to do uh, virtual closings, how to do virtual open houses, things like that to make sure that there was still a demand out there. And, and, and Mike, none of us knew, as we rolled into, call it March of 2020, none of us knew where this was going it, uh, from a housing perspective. Obviously it went phenomenally well, and I think that's a lot of uh, a lot to do about how the industry and how at Century 21 we adjusted uh, to that process where we still made it available for our consumers to look for that home, to find the home, to buy the home through all these different processes that we put in place to make that an easier thing. Again, I think some of those things are going to continue to live on. Never did we think we would be able to do closings like we do to drive leads like we do now. So it's 
it really was an eye-opening experience that I believe is going to carry forward and be better for the consumer, better for our agents. But a lot of that focus goes back to what I initially said, was making sure that we trained our agents to adapt quickly and to make sure that they were doing those things that were most relevant right now because of the changing landscape and environment. Do you have, do you have a, like, I'm sure you do have some kind of training program. Like, tell me about the the training program that you do with your agents. Like, do, do you have, what's your strategy on it or what's your technology? Tell me about the cool stuff about it. Yeah, literally from a training perspective, we have just a portfolio of training. And what we find, Mike, about our agents is some agents really like training and spend quite a bit of time in training. We also have a lot of agents who just want short little, you know, tidbits, if you will, on training, where maybe they can even sit in front of an open house on their phone and take training. So we have now mobile training where it's, it's literally some five minute quick type trainings all the way through uh, long, you know, hour, half day training, as well as where we get our agents together in a room. So there's also that networking type, type training that we do. And a lot of our courses are around goal planning, uh, making sure that agents know how to prospect, which we think is the most basic thing in real estate. But a lot of times things get in our way as, as real estate agents and, and we don't do those things that we're supposed to be doing. So a lot of it is focused on prospecting technology. We do a lot of training in the technology arena to make sure that our agents know the technology we have and how to use it. So it's just, a, we have a library full of training and that's probably one of the areas that we focus on the most. One of the things that I would say, Mike, too, we find when we look at all the landscape of all of our uh, agents throughout the Central system, which you saw was, and, and heard was how many we have, we're able to take a look at those agents that take training on a res regular basis and those agents that don't. And it's amazing the production levels, how they go up for those agents that really do focus time, set aside time to do that training. Their growth their, the, the money that they make is exp exponentially more than those that don't. And here's what's an interesting point about that, Mike. We find that those agents that are highly experienced, those seasoned agents, those are the ones that actually do the training more than some of the agents that are new into the business. So that tells us that there is success in training and that those agents that are highly successful want even more training. That's, that's really, I mean, it, makes sense that that's the case right but but it's also really fascinating to be able to correlate you know the, the the high producers that have been around for a long time that still invest in that training tell me about experience level for the for the brand itself so a lot of brokerages grow by putting some bodies in the seats and some brokerages focus on you know growth through you know acquisition or so tell me about your ideal agent are you in a place where you're like, we'd like to bring in young agents brand new because there's growth or do you like to, tell me about, tell me about your strategy for that world. Sure. You know, what is great, Mike, about the Century 21 brand is we have every type of situation that you just talked about. And we have what, what I call kind of the organic growth through recruiting, our franchisees through recruiting. And that means experienced agents in some cases. Some will focus there. Some focus on kind of the new agents coming into the real estate industry. What is the phenomenon that we have seen since the pandemic, if you will, and then I can go back and talk about 2000, call it eight through 11, when we went through what basically was the recession, if you will. 
and the phenomenon that we saw there, we're starting to see a little bit of the same. And what I'm talking about there is really mergers and acquisitions. In fact, I would tell you that the majority of myself and my team, we spend that that much time on mergers and acquisitions. And actually one of the things that I'll that we call it within Century One is gold to gold. And this is where we are seeing a phenomenon in this industry of consolidation, meaning large brokerages getting bigger by acquiring other smaller brokers. And the gold to gold is where, and it's something kind of unique for Century 21 that we love to do, is we'll take a Century 21 that, you know, been in the, been in the, the Century 1 system 10, 20, 40 years, and they've decided, hey, it's time to exit. And so what we're able to do is take that company and roll them into another highly performing Century 21 company, and then they come together and form a great company together. That is probably one of the phenomenons that's going on right now that I expect to continue to see across the industry because really consolidation is where it's at. You know, Century, if you go back to Century 21 and you think, Mike, about how how we got to be the brand we are today, how, how did we get to be a household name? Well, there was a day in the industry where there was a Century 21 pretty much on every corner. And that was that worked back then. But that's not necessarily where the industry is today and certainly not where Century 21 is. We are consolidating as well and, and making sure that we have these great large companies who then can provide to their agents all those tools, that technology that I talked about, the training that I talked about. That's an important element as well to make sure that we provide an avenue for exit strategies, if you will, for our companies and frankly, for our agents who come into these newer, new, these other companies that are really high performing companies. That's, that's an interesting strategy. Consolidation is big. There's a lot of cheap money in the world driving a lot of, a lot of buying market share. And, and so you, you anticipate that continues even in a world where money gets a little more expensive? Yeah, I really do. There is not a slowdown at all, Mike, in this. I, again, I spend the majority of my week involved in some type of M&A activity, be it from us acquiring an unaffiliated company and bringing them into the Century 21 company through you know, one, one of our offices or these gold-to-golds that I'm oh, talking right. about. And here's an interesting thing, too, that we, we find, Mike, when we go back and look at, hey, was that, was that merger, was that acquisition successful? Yeah. I, I'm a firm believer that when it comes to, especially from a gold to gold, one plus one doesn't equal two. It's usually three, four, or five. And the beneficiary, what I mean there is the agents typically benefit because usually when a company has been in the industry for 40 or 50 years and they're looking for an exit strategy, they are looking for an exit strategy and not necessarily focused on growth. You put them with a new company and it's energetic, it's exciting, it's on more of a growth perspective. It's amazing how we see those agents' productivity that might have been pretty level for a couple of years in this other company. Now it's crazy how far, how much we see them grow. So that's exciting. I don't expect that that trend is going to end anytime soon. In fact, I think it's exciting for the industry. Yeah, that's that's super cool. So some really interesting ideas that you mentioned in there. The so the gold to gold provides one of your franchisees, and it provides you allows you to keep those agents in the in the fold. It's like a win win strategy. That's really that's really exciting. Do you have are there 
are there brokers or franchisees who are that who are that that are in your network that are saying it's my strategy to acquire as many as I can in this region or in the day like are there are there a handful of them that are going full force that are the acquirers or is absolutely. it absolutely and, and frankly we we hold our teams to work with our franchisees accountable for knowing the growth how our franchisees want to grow so every one of our personal people that work work in the field know their book of business are they an acquirer or will they ultimately want to be acquired? And we keep that list because when an opportunity happens in a marketplace where a company comes to us and says, hey, it's been a good ride, but 40 years into this, we're ready to go off to the Bahamas or wherever and enjoy life. And can you help us find a buyer? We don't want to react then. So we do all this proactively. And we have these lists that we immediately put these companies together, start the conversations. And we, from a corporate perspective, just help facilitate putting that together. I'll tell you, Mike, as we bring companies into the Citroen system, and, and I've been involved on that, as I mentioned, the franchise sales side for a long time, this is one of those real compelling things that causes companies to take a look at Century 21, as opposed to maybe one of our competitors, because we almost have this built-in exit strategy, if you will. It's because in, in our business, whenever you do a merger and acquisition, the one worry, the main worry that an owner has is, uh-oh, will I have what we call breakage? Will agents not want to join this new company and suddenly they'll go somewhere else? And it is so much easier to put together a gold to gold because they're going from Century 21 to Century 21. And that's why we really push this to this avenue of an exit strategy because it makes it very compelling. And you'd be surprised how many new franchisees say, I'm thinking about joining Century 1 now, so certainly not thinking about getting out of the business or the industry. But boy, won't that be nice 20, 30 years from now? Yeah, so breakage. I didn't know the term was breakage. I like that. But it's that's a real big deal when you when you acquire a broker because in many ways the power is in the agent's hand. It's Absolutely. their clients. And so do you do you have metrics on on like breakage? Or like like uh, we can show that that when we when we do a gold to gold deal, we 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 could show how like low the breakage is you probably don't have well, I mean, we do have we do track that very very closely i will just tell you that our breakage is very minimal and it's because we spend a lot of time on the actual transition side of it we have a full transition transition team that goes in once we let them know hey it looks like this these two companies are coming together they literally start working at that point to make sure that we get out there the day we make the announcement we're in there talking with the agents. We have their business cards of their new company ready for them that day because we want them to feel like, hey, you've got a new home. In fact, it's a great home. And then we work with the owners to make sure that we've got our arms around the agents to make sure that they are feeling comfortable about this change because change is not easy. We all know that. But the easier that we make the process, the better we see when it comes to that word you just said that we use often in the industry breakage. That's that's terrific. And you can imagine that you know the the systems aren't changing, and that you know the 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 culture isn't changing that much. You know, there's maybe some different when you're on your acquirers, uh -huh. your uh, your brokers who are acquiring others. Are they do they do they work to it does or does it work better to stay? geographically connected or can i go and say hey i'm in philly but 
this broker in, in Vegas is up for sale, I'll buy them. You know, Mike, that's a great, great question because had you asked me that question three to five years ago, I would have said absolutely, definitely within their, their state. In fact, let's maybe even narrow that more to the next market over. Now, let's go over five, six states. Let's go from Illinois to Florida. We're seeing an absolute change. And I'm glad you brought this up, Mike, because that's probably the biggest change that I've seen over the last three to five years is the willingness of brokers to jump states, completely jump from one side of the country to the other side of the country where they see opportunities. And I think a lot of that is driven by technology and the back office systems that you now have. You can be in an, a Chicago, Illinois, and run an operation in Florida, which we have today with one of our great brokerages uh, now. And it's because they have good systems where we didn't have that years ago. So great question. And the answer is unequivocally yes. And I expect that trend to only increase. We're seeing a lot of companies from the Northeast come to Florida and open off offices in Florida. And I don't want to speak for them, but my guess is that as they're thinking about retiring on the Northeast where it's cold, they may want to Go, go like everybody else has gone in that area to have a Florida second home or whatever. Well, maybe they plan on making that a permanent home when they exit the business. Well, maybe they're not going to exit. They're just going to move to their operations in Florida instead. We are absolutely seeing that phenomenon. That's really cool. And you can imagine there's a whole, you know, decades of, of clients in New York who like you can, if you can move with your, with your previous buyers, to with that with them to their next state like that could be really compelling you know you know one of the things that we're also seeing mike is not only is it brokerage companies opening up existing offices in in these other markets like florida we're seeing agents who are spending you know nine months of the year in new york connecticut rhode island but then they've gone to florida as kind of a second home for those winter months but now they're going and doing business there during that time period that they're now licensed there. So these are this is what I love about this industry, Mike, is it's ever changing, but it's ever changing in a positive way because there's more ways that we can actually do more business. And you know, I, one of the things that the phenomenons within and why I love the real estate business, it's not those agents who make a lot of money in real estate because those agents that do really well in, in real estate it's because they love the fact that they are helping others live out the American dream of home ownership. And that's kind of the driving thing. So when you, when you think about these phenomenons, like you just talked about, what industry is there where you can be 60, 70, 80 years old, ready for retirement? But you know what? I think I'll go to Florida and continue to serve clients there. How cool is that? Yeah, that's really, really exciting. That actually brings up another trend that I'm interested to hear your take on. At the, at the agent level, one of the big trends in the last five years has been a shift from being solo agent to a team, a team where you have maybe one lead and a bunch of people who are either doing buyer transactions or sourcing leads or something like that. Tell me about your take on teams and, and what's happening, what's going and, and how that looks inside of Century 21. Sure. Another one of those phenomenons that continues to grow in this industry, and, and I'll be candid, transparent, Mike, when, when teams started coming around a few years back, I really thought this might be somewhat of a phenomenon that kind of 
goes away over time and gets back to the, the individual real estate agent. Well, Greg, Greg was wrong, be the first to, to admit to that, but I think it's a good thing because we, and I think we're going to continue to see agent teams grow. In fact, we've, we've adjusted a lot of our training to make sure that we are staying relevant for teams as well. In fact, we're, one of the things that's big in Century 21s is our awards program where every year we give awards out to our top producing agents. Well, guess what? We've shifted also awards now for our top teams because it's that important. And I, I think that this trend will absolutely continue. I think you're going to see teams even get larger where you'll have a, what, what some of us might've referred to years ago as, well, that's a company. No, that's just a large team within a company. I, I, can, I see this trend continuing. And I will tell you from a Citroen standpoint, we're taking the, the stance that this will continue and we need to develop more and more technology and training to make sure that we are a, a welcoming place for teams. That's, yeah. The, uh, I, I think so too, the, the, I, I'm probably in the same boat as you where, where I looked at teams and I thought either, uh, okay, looks like a brokerage to me, like why would it be any different? But it, they very much are, they, they seem like the trend seems non, unstoppable. Yeah, well, not only that, I think one of the things that we see and we hear about teams, because yeah, you're, you're right. A lot of times they look like a brokerage company, but here's the interesting thing about these teams and, and just those conversations. They still understand the power of branding and how branding is important to the consumer. So even though they might be this big, powerful team, they want that brand behind them. They know that brand is going to drive leads. It is that security. Consumers like to do business with well-respected brands. And so that's an interesting element about teams that they are very big, very strong, but they like branding. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. And the, and the brands and, and, and it seems like the good teams are doing a good job with branding and some of the, some of the challenges, is it, you know, is it my name or is it the century 21 name? Like which one is more important there? Do you have guidelines uh, for that? Or like, yeah. We, we absolutely do have guidelines on, on, on how we handle that, but we do everything we can to, to promote the agents. We realize that the agent, I was just giving a uh, speech in California yesterday to, to a group of agents. And you know, I ended by saying, and I sincerely mean this, Mike, the Citra 21 brand, or for, for that matter, any real estate brand, but for the Citra 21 brand, we are nothing, nothing without our agents. Those agents that carry our business cards are who we are because without them, Greg's not here. Our brand doesn't matter. And so we don't ever take that for granted. And I think that even with teams and individual agents, you have to constantly remember for us, they're the customer. Our agents are our customer. Our companies, our brokers are our customer. And that's something we try not to forget. I personally try not to ever take for granted. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So let's take the last few minutes to talk international. Country 21 is a big international brand. The U.S. market has been nuts, but it kind of pales in comparison to a lot of countries, a lot of the Western economies, the market's been even more nuts. Do you see that? Like, you know, the home price is going parabolic and do you, do you have, uh, is that impacting your business or do you have thoughts on what's going on out there in the world? Yeah. In fact, we spend a lot of time talking about what's happening with our master franchisees. We're constantly reaching out and saying, Hey, What's going in your, on in your country? Because one of the things that we see is we can learn from each other. We see trends. When you're in 86 countries, 
you start to see some trends that may not have even hit the U.S. and have the impact here. But what I will tell you, Mike, is that what we're seeing here, the challenges that we're facing, call it from an inventory perspective. What's interesting when you look at internationally, yes, there are certainly markets that are facing that. But what's interesting is there are some markets that aren't. In fact, we've got some interesting information from, uh, take, take Argentina. Okay. Well, last year in Argentina, the city of uh, Buenos Aires saw only 17% of their inventory sold. And so for them, it was quite the opposite of an inventory pro problem. In fact, they'll also tell you that their price is very competitive. What we're seeing mostly from an international perspective is, is the opposite, though, that they're having tight inventory as well. Bidding wars, just like you, we, we hear about here in the U.S., Portugal and Spain recently found out from, from our master franchise there that their franchisees are seeing rising prices, tight inventory, multiple, multiple offers on, com on properties. Canada, much the same. So we, we spend a lot of time with our masters trying to understand learn from that. And what's neat is we also do training to make sure that our masters in these other countries know how to overcome the challenges within the housing market, just like we do here in the U.S. Here's what's also really, really interesting, uh, Mike, I feel from a global perspective. We talked earlier about real estate being global. We are, as I spoke to this group of agents yesterday, I was telling them that it is amazing the billions and billions of dollars that's spent, spent by clients outside of the United States on property inside the U.S. And frankly, over the last two years or so, that has been constrained simply because of COVID. People couldn't get here to look at properties. There, it was just virtually impossible to make those transactions happen like we had in the past. But here's the great news for us in real estate. That as we navigate through the pandemic, there is a lot of pent up demand uh, in Europe and other parts wanting to come back and spend money in California and Florida on properties. So that's something that we're trying to make sure that we are letting our agents know, be well prepared for this because this global trend is going to happen again. We're in a cyclical business and it's even gonna be more cyclical, cyclical from an international perspective in a positive way. And so, I say a uh, great opportunity there from an international perspective for everybody that's in the real estate industry here in the United States. That's real, that's real insight. It's not something I'd considered before that, that um, we know that we have a fair amount, especially the Californias and the Floridas, New Yorks, places like that that have international buyers a lot. But uh, I hadn't really considered that it had been constrained via, in the pandemic. And therefore, there's actually pent up demand for that to, for those purchases as things loosen up. Absolutely. In fact, we're because when you're a brand like us in 86 countries, we have all these conversations all the time with our master franchises. They share what they're hearing from clients there. And we have also a global website where we're able to see that the, the conversations and the transactions that are going across the continent. And it is amazing how much they're talking about. Can't wait till things open back up. So they can start coming and spending more money here in the United States on properties. And, and frankly, as a, as a housing economy and as a just economy in general in the U.S., we ought to be super excited about that. Yeah, that is, uh, that's, that's optimistic, even in a world where, I mean, it's hard to imagine the U.S. market slowing too much. But, yeah. but you know, adding that as a, a fuel, that international demand fuel, pent up international demand fuel, it's, a, it's an interesting factor. 
Well, listen, Craig, let's, let's wrap up the conversation. The, you know, a lot of our audience are realtors and brokers, uh, uh, you know, participants in this space. Where should people find you and go to Century 21? What, where do you like people to reach you? Sure. You know, we have a, a gentleman named Peter Mosca, who is kind of our PR director. And he, he's the one that fields all the incoming people that are interested in being part of the Century 21 family, have questions about real estate in general. And his, his contact is peter.mosca at century21.net. And I would also encourage anybody, they can always reach out to me. And, you know, I'm greg.sexton at realogy.com. And I always love hearing feedback and what we can be doing better to serve our clients out there, our agents out there. So All right. I will, we'll include a little bit of contact information in the show notes for the, for the podcast. Anything else, Greg, that you want to make sure that people know about Century 21, about you before we take off today? Well, I, the only thing I will say is, as I said earlier, as we navigate ourselves through this pandemic, it is really exciting to see that, you know, real estate has done well, but really the horizon looks very, very well going forward. And with all of the world's challenges that you mentioned before and everything, what I love about this business is real estate is still a great bet. It's a great investment. And I love the fact that even some of the millennial generations and things are getting more excited. First time home buyers are getting excited about home ownership. I think that bodes well just for all of us that uh, know and love this real estate business. So excited about that. And I, I want to thank you for the opportunity to spend some time with you today, Mike. I hope we get the opportunity again. I'm looking forward to it. Thanks so much. Thank all right, everybody. That's all we have for today. Uh, thank you for joining me on the Top of Mind podcast from Altos Research. Reminder that Altos tracks every home for sale in the country every week. And we analyze all the pricing and all the changes in prices. And we, we make that data available to you, mostly through your real estate agents to end consumers before it's available on all the traditional channels. So visit altosresearch.com for free consultation on how to use that market data in your business. And we will see you next time. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, Mike. Thanks for listening to Top of Mind. See you again next time and be sure to click subscribe to get future episodes.